Podcast 006, Cast Iron Cookware. Sponsored by my buddies at PantryParatus.com. They sell food preservation tools. Produce, prepare, preserve your own harvest. There, I pushed the button now. (laughs) Yes, this is Jocelyn Campbell with Jocelyn'sEvents.com and... And I am Paul Wheaton, the the guy that you really, I don't know, I guess you want to hear. Otherwise, you would have downloaded this podcast. (laughs) Something like that. We're on the sixth podcast. We've been doing quite a few from the road here as we've been traveling around visiting people in Southern Oregon and Northern California. We just entered California a little while ago. Um, So today, we are talking about cast iron. Yeah, cast, cast iron cookware. Well, and, and even more specifically, I, I would say uh, cast iron skillets, cast iron griddles. Yes. So um, Paul has an article on using cast iron pans out at richsoil.com. It's richsoil.com forward slash cast um, hyphen iron dot JSP. Excuse me. So, uh, and that would be our... Um, our, our payment for the day. Uh, so we're going to take hours to put this together and get it up to you. And in exchange, your price tag on this is to make a link to this article. And uh, and I'd like the uh, the link uh, to say uh, the anchor text be uh, cast iron, and then uh, uh, the URL would be http colon slash slash www.richsoil.com slash cast dash iron dot jsb. You've had it twice. So Paul Paul has made two videos about using cast iron skillets. Uh, one of them you made quite a while ago. Uh, yeah, it was my very first ever video, and I just, ha- after writing my article, I-, I had a bunch of people telling me things about how um, eggs, like, you, like when you cook eggs on cast iron, they always stick, get used to it. And I, I kept trying to say, no, they, they don't stick. I, they don't stick for me at all anymore. I, I've gotten past sticky eggs on cast iron. And, and uh, uh, this was several people still insisting as utter fact. So I felt that by making the video that they could see the eggs sliding around in my cast iron pan and then they would have to concede. And, and, well, those people just seem to have disappeared. I don't know where they went. <laughs> so, <laughs> they never came and apologized for being so rude. So that video has been on YouTube for quite a while. It has quite a lot of views. And then you made one for um, a video about cleaning cast iron when you really have something stuck on it, right? Right. Uh, and so... Um, uh, the first video is just like cooking some eggs and cast iron. I, I think I did one egg on a griddle, and then I did scrambled eggs, like a six-egg scramble in um, a skillet. And uh, uh, and then the next video I had to do was cleanup. Like, okay, let's say you've done something, or somebody's borrowed your pan, or and and somehow it, it had a bunch of funk in it, and then it got left out for a few days, and it's all everything's like super glued to the pan, and and it's just it's just like cement in the pan. So now, what what do, you, what do you do to clean the pan? And so I made a little video to kind of show how you can clean up that scenario. So I actually took a pan, fried a bunch of stuff up in it the wrong way, and then had it sit out for like several days. So and then I took this in the video. I show the spatula like trying to chip away at this stuff that's fused to the cooking surface, 
And and then I, I showed techniques for cleaning that up really quick. So those are two great videos. You've had lots of positive comments on that. And in those videos uh, and other cast iron techniques are also discussed in the cooking forum, right? The out right. at permies.com. So yeah, we've got that forum at permies.com called uh, I think it's called Cooking and Food Preservation. And there's a lot of discussion of a lot of different cast iron things out there. Um, and, and of course, mostly most of it's about uh, not only skillets, but different kinds of dishes that go really well with cast iron skillets. In, in the um, electricity usage podcast, where we talked about your electricity um, conservation experiments, uh, I said you don't really cook. <laughs> so, but here you are talking about using cast iron. I mean, what you, you don't cook very much. Um, what led you to using cast iron? Well, okay, so I, um, w when I had my kids living with me, then I, I cooked a fair bit. Uh, uh, somebody's got to feed those kids. <laughs> so, uh, um, uh, and, and I did a lot of cast iron back then. Um, and then nowadays, it's, it's just me by myself, and I don't, I don't cook very often. I'm not a very good cook. Um, uh, however, you know, uh, I'll cook the basics, you know, um, eggs, uh, steak, burgers, uh, some chicken once in a while, uh, you know, a little of this and that. It's, it's nothing very fancy. In fact, a lot of what motivated me to use cast iron and drop the, um, the, the so-called non-stick stuff um, is that for a while, um, and my, my childhood was really weird, uh, but for, for several years I lived with my granddad, who was awesome, and he cooked everything, three meals a day, in a cast iron pan. And uh, um, so, I don't know, I find myself in my uh, uh, post-childhood years wanting to do a lot of stuff, like, my, like what my granddad did. And, uh, and this is one of them, so, you know, when I fire it up, I do still think of him. And and uh, you know the, the kind, but he he was far better cook than me. Uh, um, I I think very few people would want to eat anything that that comes out of what I what I cook. But we've got a list of other reasons why cast iron. Um, I think I think the reason of your granddad using it points to some of those reasons. Uh, uh, there's there's. He may not have been aware of the less toxic, but I'm sure he was aware that they last longer. True. I, so one point that a lot of people don't realize is that if you, uh, even if you don't take very good care of your cast iron, it will still last a lifetime, and uh, and maybe even generations. Um, uh, I think that, that, that my my favorite cast iron pan that I have now, I'm guessing, is about 90 years old. And so, uh, uh, but yeah, the uh, I, I'm not sure in his day was Teflon even out. I mean, it was, cast iron was probably just you know the way everybody did it. Right. But now uh, you go out to buy. Well, anyway, before we're going into the different kinds of cast iron pans and how the new ones suck, uh, let's let's you know first finish going through the list. The toxicity thing. I I think that one of the most powerfully compelling things about uh, cast iron over the, the Teflon-ish stuff is, is that um, uh, uh, you're not getting pollution into your air as you cook. You're not getting bits of Teflon into your food as you cook. And, and granted, there's all kinds of people, I've, I've read all kinds of people saying, yeah, but when those bits of Teflon come off into your food and you eat it, 
it's inert and it passes right through. And to those people, I want to say that you know of in this year, you know, that you know of so far, it could be putting all kinds of toxins in you and you just haven't come up with a means of measuring it or a means of being able to prove toxicity. Well, that's one thing that surprised me about the non-stick. And I'm kind of strange. I don't listen to a lot of news. So I missed a lot of the news stories about um, the non-stick pans causing toxic off-gassing. And so even though I was really interested in whole foods and organics for over 20 years, I'd somehow missed that the non-stick... I'd heard about the aluminum pans not being good for you because my grandma was real concerned about uh, people getting Alzheimer's from aluminum pans. So she gave everybody new non-stick pans one Christmas because she didn't want anybody getting Alzheimer's. You know, but then I had the non-stick pan my grandma gave me, and I didn't realize that there was some off-gassing from that. Well, I thought, you know, so so to, to... kind of sort of prove it. I mean, I've heard this story so many times from so many different people, but but one of the people I've heard this story from was was you. You, you know, and, and about the about the off-gassing and that how how birds are more sensitive to this kind of gas than we are. Right, the whole canary in a gold mine scenario. I I yes, I just I've been learning how to cook I think it's coal mine. Coal mine. <laughs> yes. It's just like gold, it's only a, completely different. But Right, thank you. <laughs> but the canary's golden. There we go. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, I'm with you. Okay, we're good. Yeah. We're, we're sort of getting this right. I'm interrupted there. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, go to the story. No, so I was learning, relearning how to uh, better season my cast iron from you, and I was working with a gal who was trying to mitigate her use of all her awesome nonstick pans, even though she had two birds. She had a cockatiel she'd had for years and loved the cockatiel. And the cockatiel's dear, dear lifetime partner had passed away, and the cockatiel was depressed, so they got the cockatiel a parakeet. So the parakeet was like a pet for the cockatiel. And, and, and Tammy was a great coworker. She loved her birds. Um, <clears throat> And and she had a specific type of enclosure for them where it was kind of like a terrarium at the bottom with that they could open up and then there was a big open um, tree or big branch-like structure that the birds could be in during the day. But at night, to keep them from unwanted areas of the house, they would close them up in the terrarium at the bottom of this structure. And uh, Tammy had heard you could still use your nonstick pans by cooking them at low heat and they wouldn't off-gas. So she made dinner one night uh, in her nonstick pans in the low heat, um, and then they, you know, had dinner, and then they closed up the birds in the terrarium at the bottom and went to bed. In the morning, the birds were dead. Uh, she was very, very concerned. Uh, obviously, she was distraught. She she had the vet do a necropsy on the um, cockatiel, and since she was a former biologist, she did her own necropsy on the parakeet, and both necropsies showed that the bird's lungs had filled with blood, and the vet confirmed that it was probably the off-gassing from the nonstick pan. And, you know, I, I can't top that. I think that that really covers it. Um, and, and, you know, some people might try and say, 
you know, um, where's your double-blind study? Where's your, um, your where's your white paper that's peer-reviewed and and things like that? And there may be that kind of stuff out there, but but uh, I would think that if anybody was thinking about publishing anything like that, that you know, certain organizations might try to impede that. And uh, um, and and this is a case where I believe we have so much anecdotal evidence that. Um, and, and, you know, really, I, to me, a big part of what this podcast is all about is people want to hear my opinion. And and I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, a, I'm an asshole in many ways. And I'm going to say that I've heard this enough that I believe that, that, the, that the so-called uh, non-stick pans um, are toxic. It's my, it's my opinion. Well, and and even if you don't want to go there, I think when you can make a cast iron pan last easily ten times longer than even the best nonstick pan, and you know you're you're saving money right there. You can make it as nonstick, if not more. And for those cooks out there, the crust you get from a cast iron, there's nothing like it. It's just yummy. So, um, and then for other people who want to get more iron in their diet, it does add um, bits of iron to the food too. Some people, some people think that it does not because of the seasoning layer. Oh. But I, I think that it probably does. But it, it is just so tiny. Okay. It's probably not worth holding a ruler up to. Okay. That, that's. But I do, I do have to agree that I, there is something about when you cook it in a cast iron pan. I like the flavor better. Right, it, it, it the crust is very different, and it can still be non-stick. So then you've got the best of both worlds, really. And the way to get it to be non-stick is that there's just like this little bit of knowledge to have, and that's what we're gonna we're gonna talk about that today. Right, and and I think that's a perfect segue. So we want to talk about the best way to season a pan and and maybe even clean it if if it's developed both the cleaning that Paul demonstrates in his video, and then maybe some initial or some. Uh, Big time cleaning in case you're buying a used pan or something like that. So um, I yeah let's let's save the part about like how to get things to cook in there with not and be nonstick. We'll save that to the end. Let's let's start off with um, uh, cleaning a pan for the first time and, and just general seasoning. And I'm going to do that in reverse order. And and uh, uh, yeah. So so first of all, let's talk about seasoning. A lot of people want to fire up the oven. Put a layer of grease on, put it in the oven for like an hour, two hours, three hours. There's, there's got to be, I've seen so many different recipes on seasoning a cast iron pan. And and uh, and here is after, and I've, and I've done it before. I've done it probably 30 times, running a, a cast iron pan through the oven at all kinds of different temperatures. In fact, I think I even spent like a week or two trying all kinds of different temperatures to see which one would give me a, a good even seasoning that I wanted. And um, uh, in the end, here's my analysis. Don't use an oven. You, if you've got uh, um, uh, a brand new cast iron pan, and, and uh, or let's, rather than using the words brand new, let's, let's say that it, um, it, it has no seasoning on it at all, it's gray metal, um, just start using it. Just just put a, a little bit of grease in the bottom of it and fry up whatever you're going to fry up. If, if you use it well, according to the ways we're going to talk about, it will build a seasoning layer far better than anything you're going to get out of your oven. And then every time you fire up your oven in order to do a layer of seasoning, you're just using energy. 
You're, you're really, and then the, the layer of seasoning isn't all that great. You're putting a lousy layer of seasoning on and using a lot of energy and a lot of your time. So that's really not the way to go. Just use it. Now, granted, um, at some point, if you've got, you know, gray metal, you do want to keep it from rusting. So the very first thing you do when, when you get to a point that you have gray metal is put a thin layer of uh, oil over the whole thing, the handle, the bottom, everything. And as you start to use it more and more and more, it'll get blacker and blacker and blacker. And that's that's the real seasoning that you want. That's the good stuff. Right. And and I think even out on Permies, you've talked about oiling wood products. And even without heating the oil on the wood products, you know, wood kitchen utensils, I mean, that that uh, even oil on there ends up forming um, a thick coating, you know, a, a, a lovely coating. So even without the heat, you have a level of protection. Right. And, and so some oils will polymerize at room temperature. And, but, but I mean, that's another... Yeah, that's another thing for another day because, like, with, with with taking care of uh, kitchen wood, I I prefer oils that will be absorbed into the wood a little bit, and then they'll repel water and funky things and stuff like that. Um, but but I think that's a whole other podcast. Right, and and you're right, and and but I mean it's an example of another topic that a lot of people discuss and are looking for the best methods, and it made me think of the term polymerize which is a term you use a lot when describing getting a seasoning layer on cast iron. Well, and, and when I, I mean, all of my articles, I uh, put them up, and based upon the knowledge that I have at that time, and the awesome thing is, is that, you know, the Internet's got a lot of ickiness going on, but the Internet has a lot of awesome going on at the same time. And I'll get a bunch of different feedback from a bunch of people. I'll get a bunch of feedback from a bunch of, lunatics and from some some really sharp folks so uh, and and in this particular case um, I had a bunch of people saying well what's happening is is what the seasoning layer is is that polymerization of the oil which is basically like what paint is only we're using edible oils at, that which are getting polymerized and um, uh, and then we talked about different kinds of polymerization some some polymerizations are going to have a lot of um, uh, carbon in them, a lot of that, which is the black, you know, stuff, uh, and and a lot are going to be mostly oil, in which case they're going to be kind of clear, kind of a goldeny color, um, and uh, um, it doesn't matter. I mean, you want to have lots of different layers, and then in time you're going to build up like 20 different layers of polymerization, and that's when your cast iron is getting a really good to season the surface on it. And then if you've got a time when it's like, oh boy, you know, things really went wrong, we got the stuff really stuck to it because we did it all wrong, well then when you go to scrape all that stuff off, you're probably going to scrape off five to ten layers along with it. And so you want to try and build layers in a good way. And it's also possible to build up lumps. We're going to talk about that in a little bit too, how to prevent that from happening by using the right kind of spatula. But uh, uh, so that's have we covered seasoning well enough? Um, well, I'd like you to describe what it looks like when when you're getting that polymerization happening. Why you heat a thin layer of oil on the pan, right? Well, now I've had a, a variety of different results uh, as I get polymerization, and um, and frankly, I put in a huge amount of time trying to get the uh, 
the solid sheen coat because usually what I end up with is what I call a a mottled layer and it looks kind of spiderwebby kind of mottled spiderwebby layer and then when you get like you know 50 60 layers of that well then it does you know make a a, a slick surface because the layers are so incredibly thin um, and you know on the other hand I, I kept thinking I'd like to get one contiguous layer and I've given up on even trying for that anymore maybe there's somebody out there who's way smarter than me that that can do it um, but I just I just go for uh, the, the spider webby modeled layers I, I don't mind that they look that way and uh, they just keep adding up and, and you don't really have to think about it anybody can do it it's a piece of cake I haven't done the research you've done, but my impression was if you're putting if you're putting a paper thin layer of grease on there, like you said, grease oil, whatever you're using, um, as it heats, when it's going through the polymerization action, it does tend to like create that spiderwebby or freckling pattern, and that's a good thing because that means you're getting to the polymerization action. Is that correct, or am I? Did I just make that inference? And you know. Yeah, I don't know. That could be true, um, but I'm, I can't endorse it because I don't. I don't know. Uh, I, I can tell you that you know my pans now are glassy smooth, and of course, you know that video, which is like three years old now, shows that that egg. Like I'm having trouble getting it onto the the spatula because I'm chasing it around the pan. Come on, get on the spatula, damn it! And uh, so clearly, it's very slippery. Um, and and it's like, isn't that what you know? That's pretty much all that we want. I mean, we could talk about. Uh, how you know uh, oil rancidity, uh, polymerization is rancidity, uh, and, and things of that nature. Uh, uh, different, I mean, a variety of different kinds of ups and downs, ins and outs of of uh, oil polymerizations. But um, the, I mean, really, it's a very, very simple thing. You know, the the uh, um, if you just use the pan right, it'll it'll be seasoned naturally. So we went over putting a little bit of oil on it every time you use it um, and just letting that build up. But, you know, when you use it, you've cooked some eggs. You know, what if a little bit of egg does stick to the side because you haven't developed enough layers yet? Well, now now we're getting into the use. Um, oh. yeah, Did I jump ahead? Yeah, let's, let's, let's okay. come in. So I think the next thing to go into is, like, okay, so you... You've got a pan, and you want to you want to not just clean the pan, but you want to like remove all layers of uh, seasoning. So. Um, and that happened to me. I bought one at a vintage shop that just had bumpy layers of creosote all over the inside and out. <laughs> it was it was pretty scary looking. I, I doubt it was creosote. Uh, <laughs> well, sorry. It would look like that. But, but, but okay, it was, it was lumpy <laughs> chunks, and, and it was probably um, uh, layers upon layers of, of food, because you get it, and then what, and what it's from is from people using a plastic spatula, and uh, uh, we'll get to that later. But, but, for, but there's two reasons I can think of why you would want to eliminate all the seasoning layers. And, and one reason is is that you, you have a pan and it's developed tumors on the cooking surface, which is what you had. It, it, it big gobs of carbony gunk on there, and so it's all lumpy and, and whatnot. It's not a it's not a glassy smooth finish, um, even though underneath it might be. Um, the other reason is is that you bought foolishly 
a brand new cast iron skillet, brand new from the store, cast iron skillet, and it says on it, pre-seasoned. And um, so here's here's the deal. It was seasoned with something that um, you know helped it to get on the to, to make it on the boat over from China. Um, that had more to do with it not rusting, um, so that it could look nice for sale than it had anything to do with uh, what would be awesome for cooking. And um, uh, frankly, whatever it is that's on that brand new cast iron skillet gives me the heebie-jeebies. And I want you to get it off of there before you cook food in it. Um, And it'll say that, no, you can just start cooking right away. And I think that that's marketing. Um, So uh, uh, that would be the other reason. And, and, And there's a couple of different ways of being able to remove all the seasoning layers. Uh, and uh, um, one way uh, is, is if you've got a, like a campfire or you've got a wood stove or something like that, if it gets down to the point where it's just cold, or even a barbecue, and you get that down to the point where it's just cold, then throw the pan in there, you know, uh, and, and uh, if it's a campfire, cover it up with coals, cover it up with, uh, you know, whatever else. Just make sure the pan's totally covered so that way we'll bake off all that seasoning stuff on all around it. Uh, and uh, a similar kind of, and if it's if it's going to be inside of a barbecue, you're going to cover it up. Uh, if it's going to be um, uh, inside your wood stove, then you're going to, you know, throw some coals on it and, and then uh, close the doors, uh, that kind of thing. So uh, uh, then uh, the, the other, so that's that's one method. Basically, you leave it in there until the fire's out. You'll go retrieve it. And all that stuff that was, you know, yucky stuff is now going to be just ash. And you're going to pull out a pan that's gray. Um, and uh, uh, the other the other technique um, that's a little bit new to me, but has I've seen it done, and it, and it really works, uh, is to put it into your oven and set your oven to the self-cleaning cycle. I did that with the, the funky pan that I called covered in creosote. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I've got an oven brick that I, I set up vertically in my oven, took the racks out, and my oven needed to be cleaned anyway, and I left the cast iron pan in there, and it just, everything on it turned to dust, and it was completely gray and clean. Uh, I think, you know, the brick that you use is a fire brick. Thank you. And, and that, that works great. That's the way I would prefer to do it if I were to do that. But, but the thing is, is most people have a really hard time finding fire bricks. Um, uh, I had a reader write to me and say, you know, you can use a ceramic mug. Any ceramic mug would work great um, because the ceramic mugs are fired at something like 1,500 degrees and the self-cleaning ovens only get up to 900 degrees. So the, the ceramic mug will be fine. Right. And, and, and the point is about the brick using a fire brick is that other bricks could have moisture in them and they could explode, a regular brick, right? And that would be awkward, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Boom, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah, just just thought we'd point that out. <laughs> yeah. um, and, I mean, some, some bricks will be fine. Some of those red bricks, some of them will be just fine. And some won't. <laughs> and, and and then you you might you know discover that which one you have is the kind that's the bad kind. Right, right. So uh, uh, you know better off going a different path. Um, 
All right, so we covered cleaning, uh, you know, getting... I think so. Um, So that's cleaning, and we already talked some about seasoning, which, of course, you'd want to season after you clean it. Um... We need okay. We need to, we need to pause. Oh yep, we're pausing it. We've, we're coming up on an exit here. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're going to now talk about types of pans. And uh, uh, right now, if you go out and you buy a brand new pan from Lodge, uh, you're going to notice that the the cooking surface is rough. And uh, my understanding is, is that many many years ago, uh, pretty much the D pans to get were cast iron pans, and they're basically two styles, the, the, the cheap stuff and then the stuff that costs twice as much as the cheap stuff. Uh, so you got the good stuff. Um, the good stuff is basically you take the cheap stuff and then you you mill out the surface to smooth out the surface. So um, uh, most of the pans sold, you know, that was, it was the good stuff. Uh, so now, um, since these things last hundreds of years, basically, then uh, you can go onto eBay and and buy the old stuff, which has the the glassy surface, uh, instead of buying uh, the brand new stuff, which is typically Lodge or Lodge Logic, and uh, that that stuff typically has a rough surface. I haven't seen any cast iron coming out that has a smooth milled surface. It's all this this casted stuff that's that's got this rough surface. Um, if you go to my uh, my article on cast iron, uh, this is like between the cast iron article and the diatomaceous earth article. This is like my primary income. Uh, I've got a link from the cast iron article to eBay, and uh, uh, on that link, uh, uh, well, you know, you can go. It, it basically links and shows you cast iron uh, Griswold pants. I mean, so there's. Another quick thing to talk about is that there's the Griswold stuff, um, which is typically, uh, uh, I think it was like they they sold their company to Wagner in the 50s. So uh, anything that says Griswold on it is is, uh, older than that, so older than the mid-50s. Um, and uh, uh, then Wagner's are really good. And I kind of get the impression impression that Wagner's aren't around anymore. I'm not quite sure what happened. But there's there's folks that collect these, and they go into a lot of detail of, about, like, the exact thing that's stamped on the back of the pan and what exactly that means. Uh, I, I'm just going to interject that the pan I got at a vintage shop for $15 that had all the bumpy buildup on it that I cleaned in my oven, that was a Griswold, a size 8 Griswold, for 15 bucks. So on, on the Griswold that I have now, I bought it for I believe it was thirty-five bucks or thirty bucks off of eBay. And one time I uh, was at a church yard sale like thing, and I bought a a Wagner pan uh, uh, for a dollar, and it's been awesome. Wow, they didn't know it was Wagner, did they? <laughs> yeah, I you know. Um, which is great, which is fine. I mean, let's let's just get a good. I mean, I like the fact that everybody wants when I'm when I'm shopping for cast iron and they want to go get a Teflon pan. That works for me because <laughs> it drives the price down. Um, but people who know Griswold and Wagner's and collect them, they typically charge a lot more than a dollar or a lot more than fifteen even. I've seen. I mean, people with the Griswold pans. There's a lot of people being collectors. 
and I've I've seen pans on eBay going for like five hundred dollars, and I don't know. There there must be something about that pan that's like making the collectors go yowie. I, I don't know what it is, but um, I mean, once you got one though, then then it'll last you know forever. Now, another thing is is that if if you uh, oh, and by the way, I should mention that you know. On my Dietomatious Earth article and on my Cast Iron article, I also have links to some things that are on Amazon. And then, of course, I get a kickback from that, too. And, and it's like I get so much traffic to these two articles. And, I mean, most of my articles don't link to anything that, you know, people buy. Because I'm not a big person about, hey, go buy stuff. Uh, usually I'm saying, no, stop buying stuff. And, and so... But 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 because people do buy stuff from these, I, I do make income. I do get income from that. Right, and and what you've done is is these are items that you've vetted to to some extent. That you, well, especially with the diatomaceous earth, it's the ones with the lowest silica. We talked about that in the previous podcast. But with um, with the cast iron, it's it's for the brands that have the best milled surface, and then you also have. Um, links to some spatulas, and there's a reason you recommend specific spatulas, if we're done talking about types of cast iron pans. Yeah, I, I think I think we better, I mean, we don't have enough time to go into a lot of detail. The article goes into a lot more detail. I I do think, so you brought up spatulas, which is really the, probably the most important thing. When you're using cast iron, it's the spatula, and, and it's like you, you've got to use a stainless steel spatula with a flat edge, and, and it would be nice is to have rounded corners, and what's really bonus is to have a wooden handle. And the reason why of having the wooden handle is that then if you've got goopy, drippy stuff on your spatula, just leave the goopy, drippy end in the pan and then have the wooden part sitting on the edge of the pan, it, and it won't get hot. Um, but then uh, th- this particular kind of spatula is hard to find. I I mean, you know, well, as Jocelyn knows, it seems like if we ever stop by anything that looks like a kitchen store, then, then she's looking off at something that I don't understand about cooking, and I'll go and be immersing, immersing myself in the, uh, the spatula zone, trying to see if they even have one that meets my criteria. And I would say that 90% of the time, they won't even have one. Right. Well, and I purchased one that I thought, oh, this is a great price. It's a nice big spatula, and and it looked like it had a flat edge. Uh, you know, it was a, more of like a round, almost like a pancake turner or, you know, for doing burgers on the grill or something, but the edge of it looked flat. And it wasn't. <laughs> it had just a little bit of curve to it. Right. And, and the thing is, is that if you have a perfectly flat edge... Then when you go to, to, to you know, uh, pick up that egg or, or you're kind of um, uh, dragging it across the, the surface of the cast iron pan, it's polishing the pan every time. And that your, your surface is getting glassier and glassier. But if it has even the slightest bit of curve in the edge, well, then it's like you're digging a little shallow groove wherever you go, and it's going to make the, the surface um, lumpy. Great. So as a, with the oil polymerizing, it's going to fill in, you know, any 
you're going to scrape it off. Yeah, yeah, any valleys or pits or things like that, especially me, the Griswold I bought had little, had some pits in it. But as I'm seasoning it, those pits are getting filled in, and the rest is um, staying flat. And any kind of peaks get, get knocked off with the spatula as you go. So the more you use it, the glassier it gets. And glassy is what you want. So the spatula is important, and it's not something we think about. And you can't do that with wood or plastic. It, yeah, wood and plastic. I mean, whenever I see anybody with lumpy stuff, with a lumpy lumpy surface or tumors growing on the surface. Now, tumor is basically where a lump got started, but it didn't get scraped off. And so other food bits gathered on it and got petrified and fried. And, and they, the lumps just get bigger and bigger and bigger from, you know, more stuff sticking to that lump. And, and the spatula has to take it up so they have wood or plastic or something like that. So I, I usually do that. So they go, oh, let's look at your cast iron. I look at it and I see the lumps. Hey, I bet you use a plastic spatula or maybe a wooden, wooden spatula. How did you know? I'm Sherlock Holmes. So, uh, uh, yeah, the, the stainless steel spatula is, is key. That's like the most important thing to good cast iron care. And, and, and now I'm going to bring up the thing that is the myth that, that most people think is good cast iron care. And, and I, want to, I want to take what people say and I want to go deep into it, which will just take a minute and we'll come back. That is people say, never use soap. And, and where this comes from is never make soap in your cast iron pan. <laughs> and the reason is when you make soap, you make it with lye. And the lye will eat away the seasoning layer, and and you don't want that. So uh, don't ever make soap in your cast iron pan. But it's it's okay to use soap because because that stuff's polymerized. Soap is all about uh, getting water to connect to little oily bits, and so you can take the oily bits out. But our oily bits have uh, have been polymerized. You're not gonna soap isn't gonna take those out. Now, granted, I think you'll be happier if you don't use soap, but it's no big deal. There's nothing to panic about. If, if, you, if you use soap, that's fine, but I think you'd probably be happier if you didn't use soap. It probably just, I mean, it, it helps to add to the seasoning layer if you don't use soap. Right, right. so that little bit of extra oil would be good to leave on the pan and not remove. So how? what do you recommend is the best daily cleaning method then? Is to not. And, and so, like, for example, in the, in the video with uh, cooking eggs, then I cook the eggs. So on the first one, it's like uh, I pull the egg off, and there's no egg left on the cooking surface. So uh, I took a paper towel and wiped it on there, and it's like well, there's nothing left to do. There's a little bit of oily, oiliness left behind. Great. That's perfect and you walk away. You're done. Um, on, in the second part of that same video, so that video was broken in two parts where I did scrambled eggs, then there was one point where there was a little bit of egg stuck to the side. So I went in there with a paper towel, cleaned up, and then as I'm kind of wiping around, the paper, I could feel there's this spot where there's like a little bit of egg stuck. So I, uh, I put a little salt on it, and the salt provided like just the right amount of abrasiveness to remove the egg and leave behind most of the layers of seasoning. So um, uh, that, that's, you know, I'd say that uh, 90, 95% of the time, that's how you want your cleanup to end up, is, is where that's, you, you just, a, a little bit of a wipe and that's it, nothing else. No soap, no, no water, no nothing. 
I have a brother-in-law who works in a lab, and he he learns about all these freaky, scary germs. So he gets concerned about sanitation. So, I mean, I know some people who use cast iron that may boil a little water in there each time they use it, just because they're worried about making everything absolutely sanitary. Well, yeah. If it, if it, I mean, if it gives you peace, go for it. Um, I think a couple of important things to keep in mind is that typically these oils will um, be stable at room temperature, and uh, if you leave the cap off, the oil will uh, not. It's, it's like uh, bad guy bacteria; they they can't live on it, so they can't reproduce on it and get worse and evil and yucky. Um, uh, it would have to be food particles that would be any place for some kind of evilness to fester. Um, and then, and then there's the whole thing of like, well, like let's suppose that you had a food particle on there that was smaller than you could see, um, and uh, 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 bad guys got on there and festered. Um, a, it's not enough to make you sick because if you can't see it, there's, I mean, there's, there's, there's uh, the, the the worst toxins uh, aren't going to be enough for that kind of toxin. Um, you're, you won't, I mean, you won't even get a little bit sick. And then B, like let's suppose that they're on there, and then you like uh, heat the surface. It kills all the bad guys. And uh, um, now, and it's, it, there are some bad guys once in a while where it's like the problem that makes you sick isn't eating the bad guys, eating the little microbial that you can't see, but it's eating um, their their waste. They 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 poop out poison, so you're eating bad guy poop. That it doesn't matter how hot it, get, it gets, it's still toxic. Um, and it's like, still, we're talking about such small, small amounts that um, it, it won't it won't make a difference. And uh, and frankly, um, a lot of times, if you were going to clean it with soap, or you're going, which is going to remove all the oily bits, uh, or if you're to rinse it, or um, or even if you're to boil water in it, the amount of difference that you could possibly make is like so tiny that um, it, it, it's really nothing. Now, I suppose. There could be some people that are like extra, extra sensitive to something. Maybe I don't know, but uh, um, I, I can tell you that uh, this is the way it was done in the past, and 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 I've I've put a lot of time into looking through this, and I I frankly think that you don't need to worry about it. That no, that that went into some very detailed explanations about that. So we discussed your videos on cast iron, the the threads. You can go out and discuss more and see some other people's input on the oils. And, and the fats they like to use for seasoning their pans. We didn't really go into that here um, because we're about out of time. We talked about the reasons to choose cast iron, uh, value, longevity, less toxicity. Um, we talked about the initial uh, big-time cleaning or like a starting over kind of cleaning you may want to do. We talked about seasoning and um, using the right kind of spatula, and we talked about daily cleaning and the issues with soap, um, and, and well, and you mentioned water, but the idea is you don't want to leave water standing on your cast iron. That's one thing we didn't mention. That may be obvious, but water leads to rust. In yeah, water plus iron is rust, um, and, and that's one of the things I covered in that second video where uh, we, we did what we boiled water in it to get all of that petrified stuff off and it came right off it was like so it was really fast we cleaned it really fast 
but we used water. And, uh, and then afterwards, we, we uh, made sure that we um, dried it with heat to make sure that there was no water left in any of the pores. And then we, uh, we put a little oil on it as the, the finale. Great. So um, you can learn more. Um, uh, Paul's Castern article at richsoil.com is very detailed and talks more at length about the polymerization and a lot of these techniques. There's a lot of pictures and stories and, and uh, other people's input in that article as well, as well as the forums, the cooking and food preservation forum, particularly about um, cast iron. And... Um, uh, be sure to link to these or to the YouTube videos. Hey, yeah, don't forget to don't forget to pay your rent here. <laughs> you know, make your make your link. You know, that's that's the price. All right, I'm glad we had this chat. Uh, if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about less toxic living, less consumerish stuff, uh, homesteading, and permaculture all the time.